I'll turn to Isaiah chapter 13 this morning. Isaiah chapter 13 uh, opens up kind of a, a, a new section uh, in the book from chapter 7 through the last chapter we looked at, chapter 12 last Sunday. Uh, deals largely with Christ's uh, prophecies regarding the Messiah uh, and his kingdom. We've, we've seen many of those prophecies. Uh, Isaiah, writing under inspiration, of course, uh, takes a little bit of a, cha- a turn of, of direction now. Uh, and uh, this chapter uh, through chapter 23 or so uh, deals with prophecies regarding uh, nations around the land, nations that had been uh, enemies of Israel, uh, prophecies of, of the Lord dealing uh, with those nations. And uh, we'll see here this morning in chapter 13 and again next week in chapter 14, uh, prophecies regarding the Lord dealing with Babylon. Now, Gary, we know the Lord will deal uh, with Babylon. He'll use Babylon uh, to chasten the people, but eventually he will also uh, put that nation down. We'll see Moab and Damascus, the capital of Syria. Uh, there's an unnamed power west of Ethiopia in chapter 18. We'll see that. Egypt in chapter 19. Egypt and Ethiopia in chapter 20. Edom and Arabia in 21. And, and then Tyre. Uh, prophecies uh, regarding uh, these uh, enemies, uh, enemies of the Lord. And uh, you'll see these described, we'll see this here in, in verse 1. Look, look there with me. Uh, so we're in Isaiah chapter 13, verse 1. The burden, uh, the burden uh, of Babylon, which Isaiah the son of Amos did see. Uh, so uh, you'll see uh, throughout these chapters in this section of the book, this use of, of the word burden. Uh, in a general sense, probably has the idea of, of prophecy, but rich, not a prophecy of blessing, uh, but a prophecy of judgment. So it'll, it'll be a series of chapters dealing with uh, prophecies of judgment against uh, the, the, the enemies um, of God's people, uh, beginning uh, here with Babylon. Now, Brother Gary, did God use Babylon to chasten uh, the people? He did, right? He, he allowed them to become a power. And, uh, of course, we, we saw that in Daniel, uh, not that many years back when we studied through Daniel. Uh, we saw Daniel's interpretation of prophecy regarding a series of world powers, uh, with Babylon being sort of the first one in that prophecy. And uh, Daniel also prophesied that, that eventually the sort of dual kingdom of Medo-Persia uh, would put down uh, Babylon, uh, and that's really what this chapter deals with largely. It's, it's prophecy of uh, Babylon eventually being put down by, by the Medo-Persians. Uh, did that happen, by the way? That did happen. Secular history records that. Secular history is very clear that there was a great Babylonian empire, and of course, uh, we know that that was centered in what would be modern-day uh, Iraq, and uh, we know that um, a combined sort of Medo-Persian em- empire did, in fact, put down Babylon uh, right around five, uh, the late 530s B.C. Uh, and uh, Daniel prophesied that eventually the Medo-Persian empire will be put down uh, by a Greek empire. By the way, did that happen? Uh, was there a great Greek empire? Who was who uh, the best-known leader of the Greek empire? Alexander, Alexander the Great, of course. Uh, so we, we know that that happened in, in the 330 BCs. Uh, Daniel saw a fourth empire that would put down the Greek empire. And, and who was that, by the way? 
That was Rome, of course, and that, that happened, of course, uh, when Christ came in the first century. Of course, the Romans uh, were still very much in control, and uh, we know that's, that's not the case today. Uh, by the way, Daniel did prophecy, uh, prophesy a fifth empire, uh, a fifth empire, a fifth kingdom. Zach, and he, I had to pick on Gary all week, all morning last week. He did a good job filling in for Zach last week. I'll pick on him today, okay? Um, there's a fifth empire or kingdom uh, that Daniel prophesied. Any guesses as to what that might be? It's, it's one that Isaiah has been looking ahead to in, in recent chapters, and it's, it would appear to be the, the kingdom, messianic kingdom of Christ, the millennial kingdom, uh, very, very clearly prophesied by, by Daniel in uh, Daniel 2. So um, we'll, we'll see the Lord giving prophecy about certain of these kingdoms and nations related to these kingdoms uh, over these coming chapters. Uh, what, I, what I would encourage uh, as we sort of embark in, into this section today that um, we allow this section of the book to encourage us that prophecy given by the Lord is just that. It's prophecy given by the Lord. Uh, and when the Lord gives prophecy, Gary, he brings that to pass, right? You can count on it every single time. So in, in this chapter, we're going to see sort of uh, bookends of prophecy regarding uh, the Lord's judgment upon Babylon. The Lord hasn't used Babylon against people yet but at this point, but he's going to. Uh, and the people, of course, would be encouraged that eventually the Lord would put down Babylon. Uh, and sandwiched between two, the sort of the beginning and end of the chapter, which are prophecies about just that, the Lord dealing with Babylon, he has, but now, but in, in, the, in the middle of that seems to be prophecy regarding the tribulation period, uh, prophecy regarding the tribulation period. So uh, we can look at a chapter like this and say, well, uh, we know that just exactly as Isaiah prophesied that the Babylonian kingdom would be put down, and sure enough, it was, uh, if there's prophecy in the middle of the chapter that hasn't yet been brought to pass, that hasn't yet been fulfilled, uh, the fact that we can see that the other portions of the chapter have been fulfilled, uh, Zach, what, 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 sh what effect should that have on us? If we could see certain parts of the chapter have been fulfilled uh, and that other parts are still future, um, what, what should our response to that be with respect to the future prophecies? It should increase our confidence that those things will be accomplished. Just, just as Lord Judge Babylon, uh, he's, he's going to judge uh, Jews, un, unbelieving Jews, in the tribulation to encourage their belief. Uh, and then, of course, at, at the end of the tribulation, he, he will judge the unbelieving Gentile nations that, that have come against Israel. Uh, and so as we move through these chapters and, and we see prophecy, we'll be reminded the prophecy has been fulfilled. Zach, exactly what you said, that should encourage our confidence that prophecies still unfulfilled will in fact be uh, fulfilled. So uh, all of that <laughs> sort of background. Uh, verse one again, the burden, the prophecy, the prophecy of, of judgment of or against Babylon, which Isaiah, uh, the son of Amos, uh, he's our writer, did see. 
Uh, verse 2 says this, Lift ye up a banner uh, upon the high mountain, exalt the voice unto them, uh, shake the hand that they may go in uh, into the gates uh, of the nobles. And uh, this would seem to be an allusion to uh, some kingdom, some power, uh, lifting up the banner of a military flag uh, as they gather and prepare to come against uh, Babylon. Uh, we know historically this would be the Medes and the Persians, the Medo-Persian Empire eventually would attack Babylon. They, they would prevail over it. That's exactly what happened uh, during the reign of, of Belshazzar. Uh, we, we, we know this. Um, Daniel 5, we, we've alluded to that already. Uh, just as God used the Babylonians to chasten uh, his people, he used the Medes and the Persians to chasten uh, the Babylonians. And verse 2 is just kind of beginning to hint at that. Verse 3 says, I've commanded uh, my sanctified ones. I have also called my mighty ones uh, for mine anger, uh, even them that rejoice in my highness. Uh, so just, just again, uh, alluding to the, the Medo-Persians. Verse 4, I'll get my words out. Uh, verse 4, the noise of a multitude in the mountains. Uh, poetic language here. Uh, like as of a great people, a tumultuous noise of the kingdoms of nations uh, gathered together. The Lord of hosts, one of those great titles uh, of the Lord. The Lord of hosts, uh, hosts can refer, Brother uh, Ray Metric, to angels, uh, or armies, uh, armies of angels, or, or armies, little, literal armies. Uh, here he's the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies, uh, mustereth the host uh, of the battle. And uh, what Isaiah would seem to be bringing out here is that this is not just going to be a random historical event. Uh, verse 4 makes it clear, Isaiah sees as the Lord uh, reveals to him that uh, the Babylonians, verse 1, will be put down uh, by some, some power. They're not identified here yet, uh, but it, it will not just be a random uh, uh, thing in history, but rather it will be the Lord, the Lord of hosts, uh, authoring this chastening of Babylon uh, for their wickedness. He will muster, is, is the word there toward the end of verse 4, the host or army of the battle that will come uh, against him. What, what's that word muster mean? Um, thoughts about that, Gary? Bring up. Bring up um, yeah, you, um, uh, you muster something. We, we think of something being brought up, called up, brought together. Uh, you, you, you muster or marshal uh, the troops, kind of how we would use the word today. Uh, the underlying Hebrew word has um, kind of a more literal idea uh, of appointing, uh, appointing. So uh, the Lord will, the Lord of hosts will appoint this host, this army. Uh, he's appointing them, he's calling them, he's gathering them, he's mustering them to come against Babylon. Uh, he's authoring the course of history uh, to, be, uh, to be a fulfillment of exactly uh, what Daniel saw um, back in Daniel uh, 2 uh, and 6. So it's, it's the Lord who is working here to accomplish uh, the, the course of history. Uh, he's sovereign to work in and accomplish uh, that which he has authored. Uh, verse 5, they come from a far country, 
from the end of uh, heaven, even the Lord uh, and the weapons of his indignation to destroy the whole land. And so uh, it, it's his anger at the sin of Babylon, the Lord's anger uh, at Babylon. Uh, the, so that, that's the reason, uh, and, and he is the one who will accomplish uh, this chastening of, of Babylon, uh, whom he used, whom he used uh, to, chasten, uh, to chasten his own people. Now, verses 6 through verse 16, uh, the middle section of the chapter would seem to look ahead uh, more, more literally to the tribulation period. Uh, and so, again, the structure of the chapter, you kind of have two bookends which deal literally with the historical Babylon, uh, and then this middle section looking ahead to uh, the tribulation. Um, we, we've studied through the book of Revelation. Gary, we talked about that recently. It's prob we're probably about due uh, to do that again. Uh, we see allusions to Babylon, uh, the word, uh, is used in the book of Revelation, but seems to be not so much the, uh, the kingdom. The kingdom has already been uh, dealt with and, and put down, uh, but the Lord does refer and, and use language that refers to Babylon uh, in, in the book of Revelation. Uh, probably has to do more with um, using the word Babylon poetically uh, to refer to uh, the wickedness of the world system that is uh, in power at the time of the tribulation. So it's uh, sort of a poetic looking back to the wickedness of Babylon uh, and uh, sort of viewing the world system uh, at the time of the tribulation as being very much Babylon-like, very much Babylonian. So um, it's, it's interesting, the Lord would, um, this is well before the book of Revelation has been written, of course, uh, but Lord is sort of laying the groundwork, I think, for, for that understanding uh, once we get to the book of Revelation. So uh, verse 6, again, down through verse 16, would seem to uh, allude to some very specific things in the future uh, tribulation period. Verse 6, howl ye, uh, howl ye, for the day of the Lord... Uh, is at hand. And we've seen that phrase, day of the Lord, many times now uh, in, in Isaiah's writing. You see it here in verse 6. You see it down in verse 9. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh. And remember that, that, that phrase, that, that term seems to allude to the time period from the, literally from the rapture, the future rapture through the end of the millennium. Uh, but Isaiah does seem to use it more literally, kind of narrows down within that time frame uh, to the tribulation, the seven-year tribulation period uh, that, that begins uh, after the rapture. Howl ye, uh, Gary, howl ye. What, 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 do, you, what do you hear there? Uh, howling? Uh, what, what, what's that about? Is he, is he... Yeah, there's, there's dread being paid. There's, a, there's this dreadful day coming. Uh, howl, I mean, howling, not, not so much like a dog, but just uh, an, an expression of dread, right? Howl ye, uh, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come. Uh, as a destruction from the Almighty, just as Isaiah is prophesying 
uh, a judgment, the, the, the Lord actively working to judge wicked Babylon. Uh, he will actively work in the tribulation period uh, to, to judge uh, the rejection of the Messiah uh, and, and to encourage a change of heart. He, he will accomplish that. Verse 7, therefore shall all hands be faint uh, and every man's heart uh, shall melt. And that probably uh, speaks to just the, the, the terribleness of, of the tribulation period, uh, hands being faint and, and, and hearts being melted. Uh, Rich think probably alludes to the fact that, that hard hearts will be softened also by uh, all of the judgment, all of the just unthinkable difficulty of, of the tribulation period. Uh, verse 8, they shall be afraid, pangs and sorrows uh, shall take hold of them. Uh, they shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. That's very interesting. Uh, there's, there's been a lot of speculation of, about that phrase uh, in verse 8. A woman that travaileth. Gary, what's that referred to? It's poetic language, but it refers to what? A baby being born, right? The, the, um, the, the birth pangs, um, the, the contractions will begin uh, slowly, usually, and then little by little, they get more uh, difficult, more severe, uh, and, and closer together. And uh, there's been a lot of speculation that, that this phrase may allude to um, uh, that sort of unfolding events in, in the tribulation period. And I think, you know, we do see something like that when you study the various judgments in Revelation. They don't come all at once. Uh, they they, unfold, they uh, unfold according to the Lord's system, according to his plan, uh, little by little. They do seem to become more severe uh, throughout the tribulation period. And by the way, that just makes sense. If God's plan is to use uh, all, all of those judgments to bring people to uh, Christ, you know, he, he knows that it'll take uh, this much to bring some people to Christ. Uh, it'll take more to bring others, and it'll take even greater difficulty uh, to bring others to Christ. And so this, this language would seem to uh, allude to that idea. The verse continues, they shall be amazed one at another, their faces shall be as flames. The severity of the judgments of the tribulation period, uh, it will be a shock. Uh, it will be a shock. And just think about some of the things, Brother Ray, that we've experienced over the past couple years as there's been uh, interruptions, you know, relatively minor interruptions in uh, economies and supply chains. And, you know, we get annoyed if, there, if there's not, you know, all of the things that we would normally buy in the food store on the shelves. Or, you know, we're concerned if we can't get a truckload of toilet paper in, in one trip to stop at shop, right? Um, in the tribulation period, things are going to unravel a whole lot more severely. Uh, the, all, all of the systems of the world will, will crash down. People will be astonished. They, they will be amazed. And uh, the things that we've experienced over the past couple of years are, will, will not even compare. Uh, Gary? Well, I would agree that um, as we look around the world today, hey, the stage is set, right? The, the, and I think it's been the case for a long time. The stage uh, absolutely is set. Could, could this allude to 
some period leading up to the tribulation. It's possible. It's been interpreted that way by some. Um, you know, they'll, they, as we get closer to the rapture, um, could this allude to um, the stage being? It's it's possibility. I I tend to view it more as after the rapture, the, these things will begin to unfold. But um, I would absolutely agree that <laughs> having said that, that as we look around the world, certainly it would appear the stage is set for the rapture and, and the tribulation. And I always um, take care to remind myself, Brother Ray Metric, that uh, the rapture has been imminent uh, since the first century. And so even if we look around the world and it, it hadn't looked like the stage was set at some point between the first century and now, the rapture still could have come at any point between the first century uh, and now. Today, it just so happens to be the case that we look around the world and see, boy, it sure does look like the stage is set. And so uh, that ought to encourage us, not discourage us. We ought not to be fearful because of that. It ought to just encourage us that um, as we're getting closer to the Lord beginning to uh, initiate this part of his plan to save people, it, it does appear that we're, we're getting closer and closer, just, just practically. There's no rent after the rapture. Well, I don't plan to be here. Uh, yeah, amen. We will not be here. Uh, will, will we be watching these things unfold uh, from heaven? I don't know. I don't know. We, we could speculate. Verse 9, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, both uh, cruel, both with wrath uh, and fierce anger. If you've read through Revelation, you know that uh, it certainly does look like the program of a God who has a great wrath at sin uh, and a fierce anger at sin uh, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy uh, the sinners thereof uh, out of it. Um, Dr. Sorensen writes, large portions of the earth's population will be destroyed uh, in that day. He notes Revelation chapter 6 through 9 indicates that the first half of the tribulation, one half of the earth's population uh, will perish. Now, we've seen some millions of people perish uh, in, the, in the past uh, couple of years, uh, and it's had great effects, certainly. But, but imagine... Uh, imagine it, it, when the earth loses half of its population uh, through these various judgments that God will mete out. That will, uh, that will have a, an effect beyond probably what we can uh, imagine. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 24, which of course Matthew 24 deals with tribulation, he says, except those days should be shortened, there should be no flesh saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. No one would survive. Uh, if the Lord allowed those judgments to continue. Uh, in verse 10, uh, Isaiah says this. He says, For the stars uh, of heaven and the constellations thereof uh, shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth. Interesting, the sun is moving. Uh, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. So, uh, we know throughout Scripture there's various descriptions of these uh, cosmological uh, changes uh, that will accompany all, all the judgments that the Lord is meeting out. In Joel 2, the Bible says, The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the great and terrible day of the Lord. Uh, 
literal blood? No, but probably a change in color uh, and, and certainly darkness. Uh, in Matthew 24, 29, Jesus said, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give her light. Uh, Revelation 6 and verse 12 associates this with the sixth seal. Uh, behold, uh, John writes, when he had opened the sixth seal, lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of air, the moon became as blood, the stars of heaven fell upon the earth, it's Revelation uh, 6.12, even as a freak tree cast her, her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, I think we can understand uh, some of those things to be quite literal. There, the tribulation period will include cosmological changes, uh, including the, 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 the light of the moon and the sun and the stars uh, no longer being as it is now. Do you think that, Brother Ray Metric, do you think that'll have an effect on people who are here at that time? You know, normally you could count on some things. You count on the sun coming up, the sun going down. Uh, normally you count on the moon, uh, the moon giving forth its, its light at night. Uh, when, uh, when that is not the case, that's, that's going to have the world's attention. Uh, people will know that something uh, profound and, and unprecedented is happening. By the way, if they have a heart, if they're of a mind to open the Bible and compare what they see uh, to what uh, these various prophets have prophesied, they'll begin to understand, hey, this is that which Joel prophesied and Isaiah prophesied and, and Christ himself prophesied. Uh, and, and hopefully that'll be a prompt to uh, look more carefully at who Christ is uh, and what their proper response to him uh, should be. Brother Ray, as I understand it, will not be here. We will have been raptured. We will not be here. Uh, and boy, be thankful for that today. Be thankful, Gary. It, it always amazes me, though, in Revelation about how when these plagues fell on men, that they, that they still cursed and blasphemed God. Uh, it's like, you know, no matter what, no matter what came on them, it didn't make any difference. You just got harder. You just kept on blaspheming God. Yeah. Well, look at the world today. Um, you know, we, we have had a plague wash over the earth for two years that has literally killed millions of people. Um, what, it, what has been the response of the majority of people? They just harden their hearts against the Lord, right? They just harden their hearts against the Lord. Doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, doesn't make any sense. People, sh the Lord should have people's attention. They should be giving him their attention. People should be drawing close to the Lord. I know many have, and we, we praise God for that. But uh, Gary, I think what we see today is sort of a foreshadowing of the fact that we know that in the tribulation period, many will continue to harden their hearts against the Lord and ultimately not be saved. But many will, and, and we praise God for that. We know that the Bible is clear. Uh, there'll be 144,000 Jews saved, and, and they will go out, and, and they will evangelize many throughout the world. And, and, and much good will be accomplished uh, as a result of the Lord's program, his, his plan uh, for, for these judgments. And we praise God for that. He knows what it will take to bring uh, many to Christ. Uh, in verse 11 here, uh, back in our Isaiah passage, the Lord's purposes in all of this are made clear. Verse 11, he says, I will punish the world for their evil uh, and the wicked for their iniquity, and I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will lay low 
the haughtiness or pridefulness uh, of the terrible. And so, yes, there's judgment. Yes, there's, uh, there's, there's, there's consequences for sin being meted out, but it is uh, for a great purpose. Verse 12 is interesting. Uh, Isaiah says, and, and he's uh, giving forth the Lord's uh, words here. Uh, it's the Lord speaking through Isaiah. I will make a man more precious than fine gold, even a man than the golden wedge uh, of Ophir. And so uh, I think the idea here is that so many will die as a result of the Lord's program for tribulation judgment that life will become that much more precious, right? The, um, we saw back in, in Isaiah 4, uh, there, there's allusions to the tribulation there also, or probably the millennium actually, uh, as, as women go into the millennium uh, in Isaiah 4 and verse 1, the Bible says, in that day seven women shall take hold of one man. Uh, there'll be shortage of men <laughs> at that point uh, for all the women who've survived the, the tribulation period. Uh, life will become that much more precious because so many lives uh, will have been lost. Uh, verse 13 alludes again to these just profound cosmological changes in the tribulation. Therefore, verse 13, I will shake the heavens uh, and the earth shall remove out of her place. This is the Lord speaking. Uh, in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger, uh, and it shall be as the chaste roe and as a sheep that no man taketh up, they shall every man turn to his own people uh, and flee every one into his own land. And so um, I think, again, cosmological changes, probably allusions to earthquakes uh, here as well. Um, I, therefore, I will shake the heavens and the earth shall remove out of uh, her place. Turn over to uh, the book of Hebrews, if you would, in, in the New Testament, please. Uh, let's, let's take a quick look here at Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Um, not sure who the, the penman of Hebrews is. It's probably Paul. Ultimately, it's the Lord. That's what matters the most. Uh, in, in Hebrews chapter 12, the, the Lord is, is, is dealing with believers and, and encouraging them to stay faithful uh, to him and uh, alluding back to the Lord shaking the earth, shaking the ground, uh, when he met with Moses uh, upon the mount. Hebrews 12, uh, partway through verse 25 says, For if they escaped not uh, who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall we not escape uh, if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. Uh, this is, in, in context, it becomes clear that this is an allusion again back to Lord uh, dealing with Moses uh, upon the mount. Um, if you look there uh, in verse 26, partway through verse 26, Hebrews 12, 26, but, but now he, God, hath promised, saying, and uh, this is an allusion back to Haggai 2, uh, yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also the heavens. Uh, and this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken uh, may remain. And so uh, here the Lord is um, referring back to uh, prophecy uh, in Haggai 2.6. 
which pretty clearly looks ahead to the tribulation uh, in much the same manner as Isaiah does here. Uh, Joel also, uh, Joel also prophesies in, in Joel 3 and verse 16, the Lord shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem, uh, and the heavens and the earth shall shake. But the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. So shall ye know that I am the Lord, your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. Then shall Jerusalem be holy. So uh, we know the Lord has his, his presence, uh, his, his action has been uh, accompanied by a shaking of the ground, a shaking of the earth. Uh, at various times throughout the past, certainly uh, as he dealt with Moses there upon the mount. Uh, Haggai and, and Joel prophesy a shaking of the earth at, at, at God's action in both the tribulation uh, and at the Lord's second coming at the end of the tribulation. Uh, Gary, he's a strong God. He's a powerful God. Uh, he wants people's attention and he will ultimately have it no matter what. Uh, if he doesn't get his, their, their attention through a, uh, a two-year plague that kills people uh, today, uh, he'll, he'll get their attention in the tribulation. Uh, and if he doesn't get their attention there, boy, they, they will ultimately see who he is and, and what he's like uh, at, at the great white throne judgment. We understand that. One way or another, he will get people's attention. He's a God who can shake the earth with the goal of shaking people into uh, recognizing who he is and acknowledging who he is. Come back to our passage. Uh, we'll look at just a little bit more here quickly. Um, verse 15, uh, verse 15 and 16, again, looking ahead to the, the future tribulation period. Uh, everyone that is found shall be thrust through, uh, and everyone that is joined unto them shall fall by the sword. Verse 16 says, their children also shall be dashed to pieces before their eyes. Their houses shall be spoiled and, and their wives uh, ravished. People debate, is this um, the Lord's judgment uh, regarding Babylon uh, in history past? Uh, or does it look more ahead to uh, the tribulation period? I think it looks ahead more to the tribulation period. And uh, as, as the Lord's judgment unfolds and People witness um, all, all of the, the cosmological changes. Uh, social order will break down rather quickly, and there will be violence. There, there will be uh, bloodshed uh, in that, and the Lord will allow that as part of the judgment at that time. Uh, just stop again this morning and take a moment and say, Lord, thank you. Uh, as we understand it, we'll, we'll, we'll not experience those things. As we understand it, the rapture will come first. We'll be rescued from this, all of this wrath uh, that will be necessary to finally bring Israel to their Messiah. Lord, thank you for showing us who you are today through your word, through the Bible, uh, that we not need experience those things. Uh, verses 17 through 22, we'll, we'll look at these quickly and, and we'll stop. We're, we're pretty much out of time, but let's, let's look at these verses uh, quickly. Uh, Isaiah's attention seems to be brought by the Lord back to uh, his judgment of Babylon. So as we began looking at the, the prophesied judgment of Babylon, uh, looking ahead to the Lord's judgment of 
the world system in the tribulation period, which is Babylonian in character, uh, now coming back to the, the literal judgment, the desolation of Babylon, uh, which did occur about 150 years after this prophecy was given. Verse 17, behold, the Lord says, I will stir up the Medes against them. So very specific prophecy. Uh, the, this is, this is the, the, the kingdom, the people who will uh, perform this, this judgment. Uh, which, shall not guard sil- which shall not regard silver as for gold, they shall not delight in it. Their bows also shall dash the young men to pieces. They shall have no pity uh, on the fruit of the womb. Great violence here. Their eyes shall not spare children. Uh, terrible violence. Verse 19. And Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldees' excellency, shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. Did God overthrow Sodom and Gomorrah? Genesis 19, he most certainly did. And so that would be mentioned by the Lord here to encourage the people's confidence that just as God had uh, performed that judgment in Genesis 19, he, he, will, he, he would judge the Babylonians. Uh, and that should be an encouragement to our confidence in the tribulation as well. Verse 20, it shall never be inhabited. Babylon would never be inhabited again. Uh, the uh, Iraqis have tried to resurrect and create sort of a, a national park in that area. It's never really been inhabited other than little settlements, though. It shall never be inhabited, neither shall it be dwelt in from generation to generation. Neither shall the Arabian pitch tent there. Neither shall the shepherds make their fold there. They will be completely and totally destroyed by the Lord through the Medes and Persians. Verse 21, but wild beasts of the desert shall lie there and their houses shall be full of doleful creatures and owls shall dwell there. Satyrs, might be goats, shall dance there. Wild beasts of the island shall cry in their desolate houses and dragons in their pleasant places and our time is near to come and her days shall not be prolonged. Uh, Just exactly as Daniel and Isaiah prophesied, the Medes, who are named in verse 17, uh, coupled up, uh, partnered with the Persians, did destroy Babylon. What God says will happen, will happen. Uh, just exactly as he said that. Eventually the Medes and Persians will be conquered, the Greeks will come in, they'd be put down by the Romans, eventually the Romans are put down. Eventually, Zach, that final kingdom will come, the Lord's millennial kingdom. I, I focused this morning on the fact that all this should increase our confidence in the tribulation, the Lord's program for the tribulation, that's true. But for us, I think, Gary, this morning, we could be that much more encouraged, not by the tribulation and our confidence that that will happen, but in the confidence that the prophesied kingdom, the millennial kingdom of Christ the Messiah, the final kingdom in God's plan, his program for world history, that is going to happen. He prophesied it. It is going to happen, and we will experience it uh, because of Christ, because of Christ. All of these things should encourage our confidence that what God has said will be, will be, period. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you this morning for your words. Uh, Lord, much that we've seen here this morning is hard to read, but it, it does, it does uh, 
build our confidence that what you said would happen will happen. And, and Lord, it, it builds our confidence. It encourages our confidence that what is still future will, in fact, happen. Uh, Lord, we know the rapture will come. The tribulation will follow. Um, and the Lord, our Savior, will return with us and usher in his kingdom. Lord, thank you so much for the confidence that we may have in you and in your word. Father, I thank you this morning that um, we have the proof of prophecy. Thank you for that. Lord, I love you this morning. I pray that you work here in the next hour. Work in our hearts. Edify us for your honor and for your glory. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray all this now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thanks for being here this morning. We'll see you back shortly.